0: Yeah, 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 to be going
1: Today with our homie from the United Kingdom Nathan what's mm-hmm. going on I'm your host DJ welcome to Calling All Beings Saturday edition where we will endeavor to bring on brothers and sisters not only from the UK but people who are from a time zone forward of uh, of the United States to where we can make it accessible for them this was Nathan's idea and we're going to try to we're going to try to do it at least once a month if not more so without further ado there he is with a great haircut, with a great beard, a man who I want to be more like in 2023. <laughs> Money Nathan.
2: <laughs> I also want to be more like me in 2023. <laughs> Sounds like a good goal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, happy Saturday. I you know, I love this idea because we get a chance to speak to folks that aren't in our time zone, that are in different places in the world, and uh, not only to speak with them, but they can also jump in and, and help us co-host and have interviews and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So. The more, the merry. That's what we're all about here and Calling All Beings.
1: That, that's right, Deb. And we got a UK, a U.K. I'm sorry, I didn't bring the microphone back. Debs, we
3: got a U.K. cabbie now, right? We got Franklin, my man, right? We, we have a huge U.K. family. We got so yep. many people, cousins, sisters, siblings. We,
1: we do. We do. And that, that voice that you hear, that smooth, the silk voice, that voice that wants to, to, to you to lay back in that chair, Like, you know, have a cup of cafe with some sort of oat milk in there and and talk about what your problems is. That is a study of UAP. Deb's the host of Deb's Data Dojo. How you doing, girlfriend?
3: I'm doing great. You want to hear a funny story, though? I did not make coffee today. I accidentally made hot cocoa. So I'm getting chocolate today.
1: Amazing. (laughs) Hollywood, some hot cocoa, baby. Give us some. And let me tell you, man, let me tell you who's in the chat right now. We got a Superstar. Of of the whole of the UFO universe on Earth, and that is none other than Miss Linda Thompson, somebody I admire. She's hanging out with her home girl, who don't introduce me. Julie Farrell, our uh, mistress ma- of the chat, and of course, my man, another guy we endeavored. With. Look at the fire! Nathan's got the fire going in the background. He doesn't need any kindling. He just goes whoosh, doing some like bewitch type stuff, and it just goes on fire. Uh, David Johnson is here, the host of Shifting Gears and a soon, I'll tell you what, I don't want to say soon to be anymore, David. I want to hear a starting date for this damn thing. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but without further ado, we about to bring in the hostess with the mostest, okay? She is a super energetic individual. She is, uh, she's an empath. She's a person who knows about the world of some white witchery and some stuff like that. UFOs. She got a pad down in Wales where she goes down and flip her collar up looking like she's in a J. Crew ad. Uh, <laughs> she's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Put your hands together for Liverpool's own Miss Hollywood. ha, <laughs> ha. Hey! Hey! Hi! Hey, hey, hey. Hello, everybody. You know, Holly, you <laughs> are a girl who's—you know—you're really shy. You're really yeah. reserved. You're really yep. introverted. I, Nathan and I decided today. We talked privately mm-hmm. and said we're going to try to draw Holly out. We're yeah. going to yeah. try to bring her out of her shell. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be tough. What yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. And she's like my shell's been gone for that. <laughs> For thirty-five years, my shell's been gone. So,
0: I'm very quiet, very, 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 very shy. So, guys, I don't know what we're gonna do for the next however long, but we'll get through it together. We, we, we will. will. We'll, we'll traverse this together.
1: <laughs> and do and you know do as and you said you were gonna do as much Liverpool accent as possible. You were gonna ham it up, much like my wife does for me.
0: I shall. I think you've got a slight obsession with my uh, dad impressions. So we may <laughs> drop
1: one or two in. Yes. And suffix, you know, some of your sentences with the word kid for no apparent reason. Okay.
0: Kids, kidda <laughs> la. We, we can do it all. We are multifaceted DJ kid.
1: All right. By the way, if you guys are wondering about this headgear, this was a, a Christmas present <laughs> that uh, Deb was kind enough to give Nathan and I uh, you know, like I felt like such a loser with my Christmas gift after seeing the amazing gifts that Deb gave us at the, uh, anomalous symposium in New York, uh, forgive me inquiry into the anomalous in the York with, uh, James Iandoli and J. J.C. King. And by the way, James has helped us get some, some heavies, man, that are, uh, booked on the show. Dr. Jeff is coming up, Holly and, uh, Sean wow. S. Bjorn Hargens, who is apparently at least half Viking and maybe half Irish. Mm -hmm. sorry
0: what now (laughs) exactly does he have a wife
2: (laughs) (laughs) she really leaned in on that one yeah
0: i had irish viking
1: i know right he was at that last symposium he spoke at that one and and uh and he was he was really fascinating guy so we're pretty anon is in the house what's up holmes uh john chapman looking good holly great ears yeah uh i'll tell you what holly is uh
0: Ready? Should we do it? Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. I've had so much fun with these. (laughs) They're
2: incredible.
1: I'm 37. 37 years old?
0: Minutes, it seems like, with these bad boys on.
1: (laughs) You're young. You're young. I love it. Uh, (laughs) All right. Um, I want to we wanted to interview a little bit before we get into the fireside chat, whereby Nathan's going to have to leave a little bit early today. So he's going to uh, once we get into the fireside portion, of this he'll go first. I don't see Leah primetime. I don't know where primetime's at. So, Nathan, if you would uh, go ahead with uh, the interview portion of this business and I will text primetime.
2: Yeah, let's jump right into it. And the good news is I actually don't have to leave early today. My plans have changed, so everything is good for the whole thing yeah so holly uh i love everything you're about i love the ears and i love everything you're doing uh but i want to jump into something that that i know very little about even though i've been there what's the you could speak more to the kind of welsh connection to the phenomena what is it about wales the people the country there seems to be a lot of activity in that area what uh what's special about that
0: i have a family farm in north wales and um although we're not Welsh Welsh um you know we, we've resided there for a long time and I, I grew up um just outside of Liverpool in a place called the Wirral which kind of borders onto North Wales and for me North Wales the places that the, the places I've been there's a there's there's a mysticism about those Welsh hills there's this kind of you can feel the magic through the rolling hills of Snowdonia the legends of. Of the dragon still is prevalent, the, the, the mysteries of the Welsh gold that still tinkles through the rivers. And there's that, you know, how there's that sort of Celtic vibe in, in, in Ireland and in Scotland, Wales has, um, for me, has a bit more of a theme f- feminine energy to it. Yeah. Um, and it, it, ha- it is a hot spot of, of activity, um, for, for them, whoever they may be. And, um, there's quite a few heists um, and C five groups um, that I'm certainly involved with. Um, North Wales and in the south, there's a there's a massive UFO network down in the south of Wales. But it's still one of the United Kingdom's green places. You have mm. the rolling hills. You have the the North Sea. Well, not the North Sea. Jesus Christ, where am I? you have the Irish Sea, and it it's still just a place of magic and myth and you can feel it and to me i think that all knits together to paint this esoteric type feeling and vibe and i i feel differently when i'm in the Welsh hills there's Mm. just just magic
2: yeah no i I agree i've been to the brecon beacons uh and it's absolutely beautiful and just as you said the the place feels a little bit here and there there's a thinness between the realms in a way there's very fantastical i'd never seen green like i've seen green in wales it's incredibly rich uh vibrant so if you haven't had a chance to yeah. go folks uh check it out but and there are a lot of a lot of active groups there as you said so how often are are the groups kind of getting together and and doing heist activities
0: there's still some unknown groups there's it, it's still um there's places in wales that are quite I'm trying to be very diplomatic because I don't want to get my Welsh badge taken off me. But this, yeah, be careful. <laughs> be very careful. Sorry, I've just called <laughs> you. You all dirty pigs in Welsh. That That's probably definitely Welsh. Good.
1: I don't know That's what you awesome. said. I have my phaser right here. I can. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> it's this. We um. I, I'll reiterate the story. We we went with a group from Liverpool and in the northwest that I helped coordinate. and We drove to the the kind of. Um, the hills slash moors of a place called denby and there's very famous the denby lights people know about that that case so we we packed ourselves up and we all ran off to the hills and when i say it biblically rained we were short of noah coming along on an off it was that bad <laughs> we saw no we saw no um lights and, and we didn't experience anything but what we did experience was the change in weather was so dynamic and so quick that you know, at one point the mists rolled in and it really speaks to what you said then, Nathan, that you, there's a kind of, you're walking between between two times and you're walking through history, but the present and, um, you know, Wales is just a beautiful, beautiful place and um, everyone should experience a bit of time in them hills, certainly. There's old, there's old um, tales of the, the Picts, I think, I, if I get it right, of the small people of the hills, which were often mistaken for, perhaps fae or little people um and you know I've I've had experiences um in Anglesey where where we had we had the patter of feet and the sound of, of voices and we seen um, a string of lights pop pop up by the side of this beautiful oak tree and there's nobody there so there's magic amazing. there for sure amazing
2: uh, and there's a lot of consonants in Wales. Are the vowels uh, somewhere else? Uh, where, where did the vowels go?
0: Uh... Um, I'm not sure, but ready. I'll do my best. In day chi him now any Welsh people don't shoot me. But I think that was ten. Amazing. <laughs> you rock, man. Mm. But um... that's what scousers have, I think, a in our mm. accent mm-hmm. because Welsh they have the. And and it, that carries over to kind of where I'm from. And just for, for DJ, Hannah Koch.
1: <laughs> love it. Mm-hmm. A, I, I have a lot of Jewish family that speaks like that when they speak Yiddish. So yeah. uh, anyway, um, for those, I mean, we we have the benefit of having somebody here from the United Kingdom that's that's well-traveled. And so for our American audience, can you give us a sentence on... You know, you, you just gave us uh, uh, Wales. You gave us some sentences on that. Can you give us a, a sentence on Scotland and a sentence on Ireland? Me. You. Yeah, yeah definitely I'm not the UK else, one. <laughs> you, re- you really know it. I mean, we, you know, we um, know what we've read about it or, you know, went on vacation maybe.
0: For me, I come from an Irish family. So for me, Ireland is the it's the green, it's the land of of magic in 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 oh, it's just a beautiful place but it's like the emerald isle so for me when i go back to to ireland there's always a there's always a warm hug and a warm tradition and there's always a openness of heart in ireland i spent time hitchhiking around the south coast of ireland many years ago and i didn't have any money uh you know i had a couple of quid and I was welcomed by all of these beautiful little Irish nans that just wanted to feed me soda bread and and make sure I'd gone to mass and I'd said my prayers. And, you know, the mysticism of Catholicism is is still very, has its own tradition in Ireland. And I think I haven't actually spent too much time in Scotland. Um, The times I have spent there, I um, went to find Nessie. Mm -hmm. Turns out she's really, really, really hard to find. But for me, Scotland has its um, Scotland feels very male in its energy. For me, I've I spent some time up in a place called Callanish Stone Circle up there, and um, I had a heist experience in in that circle. So there's magic across our fair kingdom, and that's what makes England so beautiful. You can drive four Mm -hmm. hours, and you can be transported to another time, another place. You can walk through, you can walk with history. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's so beautiful about Britain is that you can walk the path of the Celtics, you can walk the path of the Vikings, you can you can find yourself in a rolling, mistful castle and and, and hear the traditions of old. And I've spent a lot of time with some Druid orders in, in the south. And, you know, there's just magic. If you just scratch beneath the surface, there's magic everywhere. So, yeah, come to England.
1: Come, it's, uh, well, you have two people here that it's like, I mean, Deb's been overseas as well. I don't know. I know she's been Germany and uh, I don't know about England. She's going to tell you here in a second. But Nathan, and I love both love England. I mean, I just am infatuated with the place, frankly. Uh, Deb's go ahead, my friend.
3: Oh yeah, I've been to Egypt and Germany and Italy and a few other places. Pompeii gets that sensation of walking back in time, too. But I have not gotten to go to England just yet i was in the airport for france though well, i guess that will count for something <laughs> but, <laughs> but um i i wanted to ask if i can about a recent publication i saw referring to the women of ufology um if you could just tell people about that feature publication talking about um a young lady who does ce5 and um yeah but can you tell people about the, it was hollywood what <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't see that coming.
0: <laughs> You're so funny, nathan Um, what was the question? Talking about C5 in the UK. Yeah, with the article the, the that publication. You were article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it, it was it was a research from last year. We um, I've worked in public relations for most of my life, and I, I kind of noticed that sometimes the press isn't so kind. To those of us who are into UFOs, or those of us certainly who stand in fields trying to make contact with them, um, So I was approached by the Daily Mail, and it was around about the same time that our wonderful mates over at UAP Media um, releasing all the Colvine stuff. Um, so there was an air of kindness um, about those of us that are in this community and you know are in this topic. So they reached out to me and we did an article. Um, and they, they, they were really quite cool and kind and they, they publicized my involvement in the C5 and heist community here in the UK, but they also wanted to highlight females, sisters doing it because more often than not, sorry, chaps, you know, it can be quite male dominated. Um, Mm -hmm. and they really wanted to put the spotlight on, you know, female UFO researchers, um, they initially wanted to call us hunters. And I was like, absolutely not negative connotation. Um, and they were just really cool. Um, and, we, you know, I've established a really quite good relationship with that journalist. And actually, God, I can't hold my own water. Um, Something. If you have to go to the bathroom, go ahead. <laughs> Something will be coming soon. Um, a bit of a follow up, I believe. Because um, I, I broke my leg. So I, I was unable to do a follow up with them. But um, I have invited and extended the invitation for them to come and join us in the field at one of our high sessions, which really putting it out there, aren't we? But, um, yeah, we shall see. But it was a great article. Very, very, very blessed that they, they took the interest. in. ultimately, what, what that article did is it opened a lot of conversations for me. And it opened a lot of um, people came forward, people who wouldn't necessarily speak up, you know. very secure in my job i'm very secure in my life you know i i i have had contact with them i'm happy to talk about that till the cows come home but some people aren't and that, that article um inspired a bit of confidence in some people that wouldn't have come forward and some of those people i'm really lucky to call friends now and colleagues within this topic so it did some good which i'm all about doing good where you can
1: does that mean that when the cows come home, you have to stop talking about it? Because you said you'll yeah. talk about it until they come home. Then what yeah,
0: happens? They, they come home and then um, we we take a scheduled break and then we turn the lights off and do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's no lasers and cattle mutilation like you're not cutting out like. No, no, okay. no, that's good. All right. Um, can you describe yourself, Holly? Could you for the audience just explain who, who you see yourself as?
0: Who do I see myself out? I'm a mum. I'm mm-hmm. a friend. I'm as mad as a box of frogs. Really? I'm... Oh. Cu- yeah, I've heard these rumours, these vicious rumours. Um, I'm curious about the unseen. I was brought up in a very esoteric way. My mother was a very well-known mystic in White Witch. So my... um, My kind of... shimmy me into this world Um, has been from a a child and I think I toe the line between mischief and curiosity quite well Um, and you know I'm a big believer in together we can and as we explore the mysteries of this world that's unraveling around us and in this topic and this phenomena I, I believe that my part to play is creating conversation around it and you know no disrespect to our American brothers and cousins I've there's been a lot from america and where where are the brits in the conversation so you know that's a big passion of mine is rep- being you know i can't represent everyone especially with this accent but if i can create sure conversation you can. do you think was it Sure, you can. sure <laughs> you can
1: you know you um, know like like people like yourself and priscilla i mean you guys are birds of a feather you know they're that's what the that. topic does is it bring yeah just I just was, uh, she just sent me a text and I was like, you know, you can join us if you want to. And she's like cleaning right now, but she, she does, does appreciate the invitation. Um, but anyway, it brings people together around a common topic. And, um, there's a lot, obviously that can be accomplished by, by, by this as, as you can see by what's happened here, you know?
0: For sure. And as, as I walk through this topic and this phenomenon in, and, you know I have my experiences there's not a day that goes by that i don't feel so lucky that although we don't know everything we may never know everything but we get to uncover this whole subject that is bigger than all of us it's bigger than anything we can ever dream of this is huge this is this is, this is for me the pr- most pressing issue of the day and how lucky am i that i'm in a situation where i get to have these conversations and perhaps Bring the conversation forward and, and certainly represent some of our great authors, some of our great researchers, you know, create conversation for the Brits. So I'm, I'm certainly flying fly the, the Brit flag quite a lot at the moment, which is great.
1: Yeah, I just want to say one thing before I pass it to Nathan. Uh, when, when you look at this Roswell uh, symposium that's coming up, look who they've asked to come and speak at that. I believe Vinny speaking, Graham is speaking who's the other person is it dan i don't know i'm not sure
0: i've not caught it's definitely Vinny and graham um, yeah
1: so yeah that tells you that it's not your accent doesn't matter and all that it's just people people gravitate to what you say and your authenticity and it doesn't really matter what the the filter is that that goes through in terms of how you sound you know so
0: absolutely i was so thrilled and i'm so proud to to call them my friends i'm so oh, yeah. proud to call them my colleagues because you know we 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 have become one global community um next up australia <laughs> i'm just God. trying to blag a free holiday to australia <laughs> that's all go ahead money
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i just want to echo uh, something that you know gj just said uh, you know the way i was i got a chance to listen to your joseph burke's twitter space and it was excellent Ooh. of course he's amazing um but one of the reasons why it was also very good is just the way that you make space for everyone. And um, it's, it's obvious, it's wonderful, it's refreshing. And you're one of those voices in the community that is working hard, at least as far as I can tell, to, to foster these connections, relationships, constructive conversation. Uh, where does that come from? I mean, what's the impetus uh, behind that for you?
0: Good question. Good question. Um, where does it come from i come from a, a family where you receive they're not heard i come from an environment where probably without getting too deep because you know this is not a therapy session um <laughs> but deb
1: can take you in f- through therapy <laughs> right after the <laughs> show through.
0: she's very um, cheap for
1: that it's not
0: she's a good deb um, takes I, PayPal. i just <laughs> cash out um and I got into PR when I was about 19, 20, and I just, you know, I'm many things in life. I'm forgetful. I'm ridiculous. I'm very mischievous. I, I you know, I'm as textbook as ADHD as you can get, but I have a way <laughs> of having conversations with people. And for some reason, people like to speak to me. And when I got involved in this sort of heist community um, some some time ago, I felt that, there were so many quiet conversations happening. And I just said, you know, if one of my skill sets is to be loud and proud about what we're doing and put the, put people together, well, why, why wouldn't I? So I, I've been, you know, I've been so lucky that I've been able to draw on my professional background to, to put people together. And unfortunately, um, because I'm Northern or fortunately, I'm Northern English. not very good with the word no it just means not yet so I'm quite um relentless in my approach to to create conversations and what's been so interesting to me is I I worked um with with people in the public eye previously in my career so you know I'm not that uh shy and retiring and just saying hey would you you know the worst somebody can say is you know thank you all right we'll move on to the next person um but the, the conversation with Dr. Joseph Beck, what a guy. Like he's the daddy of, of Heiss And I was introduced to him very quickly when I when I joined the kind of UK scene. And he's just a phenomenal person. And and actually um uh, we spoke uh, a couple of days ago and we will be doing another space real soon. So I'll um yeah, a bit more on that coming soon. But yeah, he's great. But if I can create dialogue and I can create a space for people who are curious to explore that curiosity i think that's my purpose so i like to live within my purpose and i can't shut up clearly <laughs>
1: well, what it. was that no i'm just kidding Debsy. <laughs> oh you know what uh do you guys want to start the round it will actually if you have more if you have another question for just holly about her deb's please fire away and then whenever you guys are ready we'll start the uh the round table where we'll bring our topics to the fore
3: yeah, just um, one more question. I was wondering if you yes, would ma'am. mind sharing some of your experiences.
0: <laughs> Hold on to your underpants. Um, my, I've had many experiences. Um, some beautiful ones. Um, I've had one that was quite startling—not scary, but startling—and made me really question my worldview. But um, my my first experience was um, down in Wiltshire, a beautiful, beautiful, magical spot by Stonehenge and Bastardby Tour and Avebury kind of within the vicinity, all sacred sites that are on um, ley lines here in the UK. Um, I seen a a bright burning orange sun, as I described it as a small child. It was an orange orb, um, you know moving throughout my my childhood these orbs have appeared to me many 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 times and because my mum was all a bit magical i thought everyone had that didn't you know i just thought it was quite normal and um, more recently when i broke my leg and i was um, very very poorly in hospital um in a high dependent unit i'd sort of became quite depressed given the situation i was in and those orbs appeared to me again outside of the hospital Um, so for me, that was a strong confirmation that I have some link with them and it sounds nuts. I I get that. Um, but you know, those orbs or balls of small light, very, very orange, very very bright orange have, have come to me during traumatic periods in my life. When my mother died, I seen them, um, happy times in my life when I had my son. I, I see something caught my eye outside. Um, so they've been my my predominant experiences on a personal level. On a sort of C5 heist level, we've had some epic, epic things happen. Um, we, we have access to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we have access to some land in the near place called Blackpool um, in Northwest England. Um, and this farm, Is a hive of paranormal activity strange lights craft delivery drivers will no longer drop parcels off anymore the one of the drivers had to pull over and have a stiff brandy because he couldn't comprehend these these lights and energy balls whooshing at the front of his vehicle so we spent some time up there last summer and independently two crews of of our gang of our of our team um, saw the same manifestation of a craft with a sort of iridescent, shimmering, like bubble, like you know when kids blow bubbles, like that around it. And we'd we'd seen it independently from two vantage points. So um, we we've experienced some wild things. We've um, we captured what looks like a, an energy ball that forms into a kind of human-looking face on camera so we've had some lights have danced before us and you know very typical things if you're into c5 those have happened um so i've got a really wide wide range of experiences that have happened to me but the more personal ones have always happened for a reason i believe and and I, i believe that's what drives my curiosity more into this topic
1: You know, the David Pilates movie, Holly, uh, the latest one that I think he's attributing uh, a certain amount of the missing persons to UFO abduction. And that's something over the last six months, particularly preceding and subsequent to our Jim Semivan interview resonates with me more and more. And you know what? I, actually, this question, I want to go around the, the table here, even though it's not Technically, wasn't my roundtable question, but um, I, I think I, I think that is that is plausible. What, what are you, what are your your feelings about that? Do you think that there is a certain number of people who have been abducted and not come back?
0: I am. Um, this whole abduction part of the phenomenon has always terrified me, um, unbelievably terrified me. I I I get very triggered by this topic, and I don't know why. And it's something I started to question. Well, why am I so triggered? You know, what is something happened about? You know, what? Why does this do this to me? And I watched that. Um, I watched that 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 documentary, and it it it. I left watching it, po- posing lots of questions to myself, and I, I think people are going and it it's it's part of the phenomenon that f- gives me the chills because the experiences i have and have had you know what one's been startling but it was more trickstery it was more kind of than scary but that part of this element of the phenomenon it gives me chills because i don't like it people shouldn't be being taken why are they being taken? And it, it, it starts it it started to play with my my worldview or my, my 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 view on this whole thing and it's something I want to know more about, but I find it quite scary if I'm if the truth be told. I think people are being taken and me but why?
1: Well <clears throat> you know what's funny is that question started off as I was going to ask you about when that man, I believe he was hunting and he saw a cube appear on the ground uh and it was sort of clear but he could see the outline of a cube and i believe he he was abducted and then came back but uh and it morphed into the abduction question so nathan if if you would please
2: weigh in on that yeah i um i i mean i think i um i mean holly i think you, you hit it really well i, I struggle with this because it is very disturbing and there's mm-hmm. we don't want to consider that that is taking place because it, it it's hard to wrestle with, with that notion. Um, we want to feel some degree of, of control, uh, safety mm-hmm. in our own homes. Uh, it's happening to a lot of children reportedly, and yeah. that is just absolutely horrible. Um, so I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I believe people who have said that that's that happened to them, um, as far as like what it means and, you know why they would do it uh, you know we could we could probably levy the same sort of questions to you know human beings that take other creatures out of their habitats and do things with them uh we don't really question that very much and oftentimes we say that, that that's a very good thing that we do that you know we're taking care of a creature helping you know heal it or returning it to its habitat in a better state than we found it at least that's what we tell ourselves and for the creature itself it could be quite traumatic even if they are better off than they were before uh, they may still have a trauma around the entire experience even if biologically you know they're healthier as a result of it so um you know i think we have to for for me you know take it seriously but also wrestle it, it should confront us with the things that we do in our own world with yes. with our power. And, 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 and should confront us in asking, you know, what is okay for us to do? And if it's yeah. okay for us to do this, why would it not be okay for other beings that are, you know, have a higher perspective? Um, and I'm just using that word broadly, a bigger per- perspective than we do mm-hmm. about what's taking place. Uh, they you know, may have a good intention behind it. Now, they may not. And I think some of them don't. I think some of them, quite frankly, uh, from everything that we've heard are, are not doing this with a good intention. They're doing it just to mess with us um, and and may, may take some degree of, you know, pleasure or satisfaction out of that, um, just like some humans would do that, right? They would take mm-hmm. pleasure out of uh, harming another creature just because mm-hmm. it makes them feel powerful. Yes. It's, um, I, I I was going to say,
1: I, I tell people I've seen kids over at the beach where I go do my swim training and they're hauling some jellyfish out of it to go, hey, mom, look at this with their net. And I'm like, dude, you're taking that out of its home like that. Yeah. Like it belongs in the water. Like you don't take that and stick it in a bucket on the beach. It would be like someone taking you out of your home. And and it's OK. Yeah. I mean, sure, right? Well, why shouldn't someone just take it? Of course, it's not right. You know, if you want to take a look at it and put it back in the water, fine. But if you're putting it in a bucket on the beach, you've removed it, like you said, from its habitat. There's a reason. That's why I don't have fish in my house. This is exactly that reason. Debs, um, to get back to kind of like the center of the question, Debs, do you think that there are... People that are being taken and not coming back. So what turns into kidnapping where they're returned and Rick Doty tells that story that happened. out. I don't know if it was Nellis or one of those bases in Nevada uh, where uh, the couple got their children back, their son and daughter, several hours later on a road outside of Nellis. But what it it becomes murder from our perspective if they leave and don't come back. And Mm -hmm. Terry uh, Loveless has a chilling story about that. What's your take on that, Debs? Are, are people being taken and not coming back?
3: Um, yes, they are. Um, and the, the reasons for being taken are complicated and vast, especially because it seems to be more than one group involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I point out that even if grays are being used, they may not be all being used by the same group either. Um, so, there's a lot of complicated aspects to this, including the fact that sometimes people are consciously being abducted as opposed to physically, you know, there's some really weird things, but to answer your question, yes, I do think people are leaving and not coming back. We have just a huge number of people that go missing and, you know, it just becomes a statistic to most of us. We hardly, unless it come, happens to you personally, a lot of people are just like, yeah, a lot of people go missing and shrug, you know? Um, so I, I have to point out though, that the purpose for that, we, we're thinking about it in human terms, of course, you know, like this could be um, an attempt to preserve us um, because the messaging is often, you know, you, you're killing your planet and I know this kind of goes into like the the zoo hypothesis a little bit, but it's possible that they're just trying to preserve us. Wow,
1: it, it, that's one of them, right? That the, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it absolutely could be. The topic of abductions, yeah. Um, I just maintain that when if there's one statistic that you could name, any government on planet Earth of a nation that they don't want to talk about that they may have a statistic that they attribute uh, based on various reporting sources. This is the, the, the biggest thing they don't want to talk about because you have to think if Hollywood is unnerved by this and she is deeply embedded in this topic, can you imagine a layperson, soccer mom, who doesn't even know that there's legislation right now, uh, how they would be freaked out if they turned on their news station and heard the government talk about this, it would be, it it would be terrifying. Uh, even Wes, right? Uh, Nathan, when you, you know, Wes, the host of probably the biggest show Sasquatch Chronicles, when you bring up UFOs, he freaks out, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's, he uses the word terrifying, just talking about UFOs. He uses the word terrifying in every instance that I've heard. Think about that. This yeah. is a guy <laughs> who's had a Bigfoot experience and has heard he has over 900 episodes of Bigfoot encounters. But wow. the thought of UFOs terrifies him because he looks at life. I, I shouldn't say because. It could be part of it because he looks at life through the Bible and this doesn't fit in his mind, I guess.
0: You know, so. DJ, I, um, what what kind of brought abduction? More to my, my my sphere of control and influence. I, I won't name them, but um, a very dear friend of mine is an author here in the in in the UK. Um, he's due to release a book about his experience. his former military, and we've become real good friends, Michael. And um, when he described his experience to me, and I could hear the. Unsettled pain, confusion, what it's done to his life. That's when I thought, you know what, as great as it is, me standing in a field and hey, you know, let's make contact, let's, you know, let's, let's meditate. There's some real stuff going on here. And that's to me when the layer of this phenomenon, a new layer was added. It's like I was, you know, in a video game when you get an extra, extra, a leveled in, a leveled into a different space. And I think we need to talk about it more because there are people out there and I'm contacted very frequently now. There's people certainly in the UK that don't have any work because, you know, you've got the in Networks, you've got your Medical Coalition, you've got loads of great people and resources looking after people in the States. We don't have that much in the UK. And there are people coming forward very regularly now saying, I think something happened to me i've had these marks i've missed time this that and the other I, you know I've, I've been regressed and you know these terrible things of it i'm aware of and you know we were this we have a, a lot of work to do in the uk to look after people who've experienced these things and um you know i think that, that's something that, that does keep me up at night worrying that how can we help or how can we support these people scary you can actually
1: you can actually hook up with uapmd and it won't even cost you a plane ticket you just have to email deb uh so there's (laughs) absolutely so that's one thing
0: i I was Um, that was it was on one of my um to do's over the next couple of weeks actually um how how can we help more how can we help our brothers and sisters here in the uk more because stuff's happening stuff has happened and if I'm yeah. here to help tell their stories, we ought to be able to help their their soul and their, their mental, you know, their mental their state because it's it's not great.
1: Yeah, this is one of the things Deb's done that that we're extremely proud of at um, just, you know, we had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. But we're proud of that. She's part of our, our team and that she did it. But um, I just want to say this. Uh, there's an interesting I want to point everybody to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott who had an episode yesterday or the day before and to talk about connection and how this is all connected. And and Nate, I'm going to come to you next, Nathan, so you could put your topic out there. But this gentleman named Glenn Jackson is a paramedic and paramedic instructor near Atlanta. He's from North Georgia and his experiences. And I'll send you the pod, Holly, it's going to blow your mind, but not only has he had Bigfoot experiences and they had an experience that Terry Wendell told us and Glenn Jackson, who was present out in the woods when this happened, that combines a portal in the woods wow. uh, when they were looking for Bigfoot but found a portal. And then after that incident, uh, one of their very fit special forces members died of a massive heart attack. Another person developed cancer. And I think and and uh, Glenn Jackson himself had came down with a very strange medical condition. It took him a year and a half to clear up. This Crazy. dude is one of the most professional dudes I've heard of. And he has missing time uh, and UFO. So the whole, first of all, he did the Monroe Institute uh, program. What's that called? Uh gateway, the gateway program. Gateway tapes. Yes, he went to be the very gate, uh, careful. Yes, he went to that. And now all these things are happening to him and it's on all three of these genres. So, yeah, I mean, the more you guys have, you know, taught me that this is connected.
2: <laughs>
1: so it's, that's it's all that it is. Check out uh, everybody. Check out Dave Scott's uh, Space Dot Radio with Glenn Jackson and have
2: your mind blown like my wa- like mine was.
1: Uh, go ahead, money.
2: I want to kind of take this a little bit further because it's a really good topic and, and talk about trauma and the way that we deal with trauma. Uh, you know, Holly, I know you've had experience with listening to experiences uh, from others who've who've had this and deal with it day to day. And Deb, I really want your uh, take on this as well. And DJ from your military experience and uh, and your, your colleagues who've dealt with trauma. So we, we have a way of working with trauma now that is, um, in some ways it's very compartmentalized, right? So we, we sort of clinically address the trauma and we help the individual sort of, you know, fit it within a framework that they can manage and, and go about their life and, and keep it under control and, and kind of function in society. That's sort of, you know, re- reaching a state of function is, is one of the goals here. Um, but I wonder if that's really dealing with the trauma. I mean, obviously it's, it's helping them go about their day-to-day life, but is it really addressing the core I- issue? And in, in some ways, the way we treat trauma like that is—it's very clean. We kind of like, kind of like, you know, you know, wiping our hands with it. And it's like eh, it's not really there, la la la. Like we kind of dealt with it. Now we put it in this little place over here, and I don't have to consider the ramifications of what caused the the, the trauma. That it's real. It exists. It's with us. And I don't necessarily have to address it directly. We've just now kind of uh, uh, contained it in a, in a fence, in a way. So I wonder what your thoughts are. Like, is that the way we kind of deal with trauma in modern day, you know, w- with these different treatments, is it the right way to deal with it?
0: Um, it's really interesting that we we've come to this place in the conversation. I am. Um, God, I feel like we're going to get very deep now. Turn the flashing lights We're going, off. going deep, baby. We're going in. Um <laughs> I had a very traumatic childhood. We moved around a lot. Um, as great as my esoteric mother was, she 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 wasn't she was great at the esoteric stuff, she wasn't as great at the mother stuff. Um and I I've carried a lot of lot of trauma as a result of, of you know my childhood experiences. Which coincidentally, a lot of people involved in the phenomenon seem to have a little trauma track with them. Which you know, I find I'm really exploring that myself at the moment. But I, I, I spent my late twenties addressing my trauma through spirituality, through exploration of mysticism, through yoga, through all of these esoteric paths that helped me to face them and as you so well put it Nathan is you know we and and British people I think as well we we can put things in a box stiff off the lip put it away and then we crack on and for me being able to work with my shadows and understand the trauma that I have the more I have been able to confront trauma the more I've been involved and the deeper I've got into the phenomenon the the mysticism mysticism side the esoteric side which is all weaved together and i'm starting to realize that the, the 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 people i meet through the work that i do one all carry trauma two are at a point in their life when they're processing it and may be able to accept it and then three they find themselves in this bizarre topic and I'm now starting to really believe there's some link here. What makes a believer of the phenomenon and a non-believer? The believers seem to all have had very, not similar, identical situations, but we've all carrying something. We've all had our souls touched in different ways. And it really, it, I've been on this one for about three or four weeks, really trying to understand, is trauma a springboard into discovery? That's that's what what's been interesting recently as well is I'm starting to find a lot of our colleagues and our friends, our mutual friends and people in this community. A lot of them have a lot of neurodiverse challenges as well, and is that coincidence? Is trauma and nor a bit of neuro spiciness? It is it all hand in hand. Is that why we are believers? Is that what brings us to this topic? Is it related? I think so.
1: Yeah, let me uh, pass it to Debs. Uh, Debs uh, I'm not going to comment because it's not my turn. So go ahead, Debs.
3: Well, there's a lot I could say to this one. <laughs> Obviously, it could be an hour and a half alone. But first of all, I wanted to say that not everyone is going to be able to respond to trauma the same way. You know, some people can face it head on, some people have to put it on the shelf to function, yeah. like they just have to. Um, so, you know, we we actually have some defenses in place um, when we have trauma. And, you know, one of them is, you know, just forgetting altogether. And that's that shelving that happens. And it's just a survival technique, right? Um, but another thing that can happen is that it can be transformative for people. Um, it can make them evolve into something else. And I think there might even be a biological aspect to it. That may connect directly to the phenomenon. Like your perceptions are increased. Your intuitions are increased. As a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically you start to perceive things. You weren't noticing before. Because you're on heightened alert. Because that's how you survive. After trauma. So.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: You know uh, going to. Nathan's question and it was a great one and it comes from the heart because there's a frustration in Nathan's voice in our inability to to deal with trauma sometimes in a real way we have you know practitioners who who do it Deb is one of them and I think one of the limitations is is that we're human so we can only you know try to help that person find the path You know, Deb can't turn their body and point them in a direction, but she can say, if you turn this way and look this way, that could be one path out, right? So we're very limited in what we can do. And I'm reminded of, we were talking about this show uh, prior to us coming on air with you guys called the mayor of Kingstown. And in that, a young lady uh, who had been hired by uh, some sort of a Russian mobster and sent to kingstown to use her feminine wiles to gain favor with the mayor and get get him to do something and he says no you know no thank you he goes and by the way i recommend that you go back to new york because the the path you're headed on you're not ready for i know you think that you're really tough and you can handle this and and things are not going to end well for you it's something analogous to that he jeremy renner does it a lot better than i do what ends up happening is she ends up being um she ends up, uh, as, as a prostitute and she's sold from one group to another ends up with this Aryan group and they abuse her quite badly and inject her with drugs. And she has bruises all over her body. And finally, um, a group of crips, uh, contacts the mayor and he's able to go and, and, uh, and pick her up. And then when he brought her to his cabin in the woods, she's sitting on the floor, she's kind of being very reflective about what's happened to her and saying that basically something analogous to a part of me is gone. And one of the ironies of all this is that the phenomenon does have the ability to make you forget as if something never happened to you and that they can somehow put you in a place where they do something and they're able to get inside your your being, and somehow you forget that it happened. And because we as humans can't do that on our own, we can, we have our devs and they're going to try to point you in a direction to deal with this and to find your self worth again and find your strength and realize that, uh, it's not something that you did that caused this, that, uh, sometimes we're victims and, and that doesn't mean that you can't rebuild your life in this way. And that you are something that's valuable and beautiful and unique and worthy and all these things, but the phenomenon does have that ability, and that's the irony of it. I think we're limited to deal with the trauma, Nathan, because um, we're human and we uh, we don't necessarily have the ability to wipe that out of your your soul, if you will. It, it there's an imprint sometimes that that a traumatic event puts on your soul, and and it just never leaves. You just learn to. What Holly said: stiff upper lip, crack on. Yeah. Sadly, sadly. So, uh, with yeah. that, if Nathan, if you don't have follow-up commentary, we can. We'll go to the next uh, H Wood. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, H Wood, what's your topic?
0: My topic is quite related to this question. Interestingly enough, Nathan, like we knew. <laughs> So. <laughs> and I was going to weave my odd man into it, my dad. So, um, my topic is believers, versus non believers. What, what makes you know what separates the two? Now, my dad, and if an impression's coming, DJ, you <laughs> ready? My dad was like, can, can I swear? Am I allowed to swear?
1: This is up to Nathan. Uh, it's fine, yeah, whatever.
0: No, we'll, we'll, we'll use other words. My these dad not, calls no, and wait, went.
1: Hold up. These are not swear words in Liverpool. This is normal conversation. So for the purposes just, of this yeah. episode, we're in <laughs> no, Liverpool. So go ahead. I don't
0: want, it, I don't want you to get your platforms. My, my dad caught and went. What the flip? Are you on about with these aliens? What, what, what were you? Have you gone mad? You've gone mad? You need a doctor? And I was like, "No, I've not. No, I've not gone mad, Dad. I'm I'm perfectly sane. I'm alright." He was like, "No, you've gone mad because you're on the internet talking about it with weirdos, and <laughs> and it's it's not okay. And my dead worried about you. And it's not effing real. And I think you've gone mad." And he they were, he was genuinely thinking, you know, woohoo! It was time <laughs> for me to get a psychiatric evaluation, and. As funny as it was, and okay, whatever, dad, it it posed a question to me. What makes believers believe and what makes non-believers completely dismiss it? So I have cognitive um, dissonance. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) But I, there's people in my life that even when I print reports off the, you know, I, I I, I print off physically, here you go. This is from such and such. This is from this government. This, he go read it like black and white. Habit tangibly, they will still go. Yeah, bo. Come on, really? Come on, <laughs> and they look at me like I've one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and I'm really. So my question is, what makes a non-believer non-believe, and what makes it? Uh, we know what makes believers believe, but why are these? What's it going to take Okay, rephrase What's it going to take To inform the non-believers That the phenomenon is very real What's it going to take Because we've had confirmation in, in a way from the US government We've got overwhelming evidence From very credible people I had two former in British Intel people on a space last week Still this person in my life's going, yeah but Kim Kardashian's got a new bomb yeah, but, and it's like, what would it take to make non-believers believe? Is it, you know, Grey's tap dancing on the White House? What would it take? And that is my question. What would it take to make non-believers buy into the, the reality of the phenomenon being real?
2: Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's an excellent question. I'd, Deb, I'm, I'd love for you to take that first, if you don't mind. Let's oh, really? That's great, because
3: yeah. I made a list. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, first of all, we need to have people admit that the stigma program existed and infiltrated our film, um, being movies. Um, it was, and second, we need some people to just have the experience. Some people don't believe until they have the experience. Um, mm-hmm. Third, we need people to overcome their arrogance. And that's a big leap for a lot of people. Um, the arrogance that existed when people didn't believe in the platypus or the gorillas <laughs> You know, the (laughs) arrogance that keeps people from um, accepting that their own beliefs are actually somewhat out there. But these beliefs, for some reason, they can't accept. I don't I don't understand how that happens, but it does. So Mm -hmm. sort of understanding that there's stuff for us left to learn, if that makes sense. And then um, I also wrote, you know, people just have to maybe accept taking the harder path sometimes. I think some people just think it's easier not to believe it's easier not to have the conversation or the revelation so they might just have to take the harder path so those were the things i came up with while you were talking
0: for sure
2: yeah really solid i I mean i think that there's a thin line between order and, and and chaos for most people um that we're we've done a really good job tricking ourselves into thinking that We've got things figured out that, that the world that we traffic in and, and understand. We understand it. We know how it behaves. Uh, that things make sense to us. And, and this is one of those topics that, if you, if for some, if you just make space for it, if you, if you are a person who just says, "Well, I'm open to the idea," uh, it begins creating rifts and cracks within that order that that allow you to kind of go about your day to day. And, uh, you know, it's one of those issues where we, in a way we've sort of tricked ourselves into forgetting that we're, we're really animals. You know, we're just, we're animals with ideas and tools and we've we've done some amazing things with that. But uh, at the the end of the day, we're still creatures, just like the rest of the creatures that are sharing this planet with us. And um, you know, for many, I think, going down this path, going down this rabbit hole, is just too disruptive. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I, it frustrates me as well, because, I, you know, I, I'm into the topic. Obviously, I'm here, and I have a huge interest in a lot of the uh, you know, God, uh, special topics that, that are talked about all the time. But I don't necessarily have, um, my, my beliefs aren't, some of them are concrete, but they're not terrifically concrete. But I'm comfortable in that ambiguity, right? So I'm, I'm okay with that ambiguity of knowing, not knowing, it being some mystery, uh, me wanting to believe people and what they're telling me. I, I have faith in people and I'd rather, I would rather believe them than reject them and turn them away. That's just my personality. But, um, you know, a lot of folks aren't like that. and And I get it, you know, it's not for everyone and you kind of need to be in a certain place um everybody's on their own path and and to kind of force someone to, to believe when they're not ready for that then that could be pretty as we mentioned earlier pretty traumatic for them
0: absolutely something i i've certainly struggled with um given my work within c5 well heist more so i i get contacted by a whole plethora of people and yeah i had a particular person contact me um and you know she was struggling with with her claim was that that um all of her family were complete against her diligence and a shimmy into this world but beings were were now at the bottom of her garden on a nightly basis and they were interacting with her and they were hurting her and she she had marks on her and and none of her family believed and she was You know, I don't know if that was really happening to her. I didn't want to reject her. I wanted to accept her because she she was so alone. Because her family were were ready to, you know, the words, you know, she they wanted to have her psychiatrically evaluated. You know, I I don't know if what she was experiencing was real. It felt real to her, but the fact that that she was so alone in whatever was happening to her because the the complete dismissal that that, that, no it doesn't exist no you're crazy you've got a psychiatric challenge you're you you know you're hallucinating you're having auditory hallucinations in it's that fine line to walk isn't it that that there is the struggle sometimes Hmm. and it's such a it's such a diverse thing to unpack isn't it really
3: one thing i would say is um As someone who's trying to help mental health professionals figure out how to deal with experiencers, we've really emphasized, it doesn't matter if a person treating that person believes or not, what they need to treat is the symptoms. Um, They need to treat that trauma. They need to treat if this person is um, seeing something that scares them, (laughs) you know, they need to treat that. They don't, Mm -hmm. their personal belief ultimately won't matter in helping these experiencers so that's an aspect but I, I have the same thought all the time like we see the most bizarre creatures on this planet but as soon as someone throws up a picture of a grey everyone's like oh no, no 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 of course not it's just a weird mind trick that
0: we're doing to ourselves I don't
3: it's know that. It, it, it's
0: that almost it's that some people go no it's that instantaneous impossibility and plausibility of the possibility god there's a lot of illities in that that that, there could be more than what we see and you know we're we're so quick as to you know to believe in things that go bump in the night we're so but possibility of them whoever they may be is is often met with such strict no it can't and I struggle with that sometimes, but, you know, we're all unpacking this mystery one challenge at a time, aren't we? Yeah.
3: It's weird because of the other things we've learned to accept, right? I wonder if people went through the same thing when they were trying to figure out how the sun related to the planets.
1: <laughs> you know. Sure. Hey, guys, just want to let you know I'm back and uh, Katy gave me her AirPods. I don't know why mine were dropping dead. They've never gone dead in within the space of do one do show. Do so, do do right. do. Yeah. This is well, all I think
0: it's did. time. <laughs> I think it's time. Hold on, everyone <laughs> uh, gonna be-
2: Nailed
0: it. H wood. All right. <laughs> wow.
2: All right. So
1: well, I,
3: and, and, I, I don't know and, and,
1: what I've missed. You guys well, are gonna have to well, let me know where we're jump at. Jump in
2: in a second here. So Holly, I want to kind of come back to you again with this um with your public relations background, right? So uh, so you're, you're a student of human nature in many ways, you know, looking at how humans react to marketing, uh, how they yes. respond to messaging. And a lot of this really is, uh, I think, comes down to human beings are our tendency to need to see others doing something before we also do something. You know, it's <laughs> For like sure. the experiment where yeah. he walks in, into a field and everybody's staring up, looking at the sky, this one thing. And the person's like, well. And they're all saying, there's a thing right there, and I want to see, they're going to immediately do that thing that everyone's doing. So I, I look at disclosure in some ways like this, right? They're, they're, the world is sort of looking around the room of, of the world and looking for people going, there's a there, there, and when enough there, there's are there, I love saying that, then it's like, oh, well, now I have permission, <laughs> I, I, can, I can actually believe this, and it's safe to say. So what's your take on that from just a human nature perspective?
0: Humans, we aren't as complex as sometimes we seem. We're actually animals and we're not that complex. We are a herd species. We will always go together where we can. But I think we, in this day of information overload, we don't know our arse from our elbow sorry as for and and i think that there's there's I, i'm finding now there's there's more people more willing to accept the possibility than ever before and i think that's because there's been kind of media there's more shows like this people are like myself who you know is come from a certain background that you wouldn't necessarily would think would stand up and say hey uh, you know i've had i'm an experiencer i i think i i get challenged with this sometimes i think there is a there's a strong like the younger generation like my kids and my nieces and nephews a younger generation are more open to believe the existence of something i think the the older generations, are the ones that have had less technology in their lives and less acclimatization to things like, you know, I'm a Star Trek nut. So, of course, it's going to be something that in, in my world. But I think that there's I, I feel there's a there's a ripple of change in the air with with public perception. And I, I think that that's a great thing. I think it's part of the acclimatization process as well, that, that we've had all of this stuff like flashed at us for so long. But naturally, we are a herd species. So until the great and the good on mass, well, it takes ten percent of the of the population to change the collective consciousness. Until we reach that ten percent of people going, this is real. You know, what what what's interesting to me is, I speak to my friends and I will say a name that we all know, and such and such has just come out and said such and such and da da da, and they're like who what it means nothing in unfortunately our community can be sometimes a bit of an echo chamber because we've all herded together to you know to, to pass our thoughts and information and feelings around and i just wonder is the next phase of this disclosure is it being able to speak differently to outside of our community is that is that how we reach a collective consciousness of understanding or possibility? Believe in? I don't think I answered your question, but I certainly gave you some discussion points.
2: Oh, that was great. EJ, I, I just hear from you.
0: It's, it's that echo chamber. I think that mm-hmm. interests me so much. How do we break that? How do we break out of this mold that that we've carefully crafted in our community? Because we've mm. heard it together. How yeah. do we break that wall down?
1: Right. So key. It, was the question? Was it Holly's question about? Um, <laughs>
0: Sorry,
1: I just mixed it, it up. No, was I Nathan? Am I on Holly's question or am I on your question? Just whatever you want to jump in on. We're just we're just chatting, man. Okay, uh, I believe Holly's question was: uh, Were you Holly? If you can restate your question again, just to make sure I got it.
0: So. <laughs> How do we break out of this kind of echo chamber in our community to reach the rest of the world to ensure that they can kind of... How are we reaching more people to 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 get disclosure happening? Because we can all talk to each other all day long and we believe, but how are we getting John and Jane? How are they going to understand? How are they going to evolve?
1: Okay, because the question I thought you had was something about why people just don't make... believe. Was something That's what about... we started with. Okay, so that's what I wanted to answer. Get that one first. So uh, I think there is a cognitive dissonance that people, uh, they they believe, and but they don't want to believe. And when you don't want to do something, you tell yourself, this is what's going on. So I spoke with, I was on Sasquatch Odyssey two days ago, something like that. And we recorded an episode. And the, the host of that, who will be on at some point, his name is Brian King Sharp, I think, is his name. In any case, uh, he does have a v- quite a big show, and he would say half the time I don't. B- I believe in Bigfoot half the time I don't. Uh, five days a week I believe the Patterson Gimlin films real. The other two days I don't. And I was like, so you know, so I'm like, but pe- you know, people have decided they don't want to believe. When I see something, I want to explain it away that this is not real because if it's real. I have to change my worldview, and I'm not down with that. Uh, I, the, we have a story, the cabbies have a story of where we had this guest on who had come on my show uh, uh, for, on another genre when we were talking about reality TV, this name, lady named Kate Casey, who's an amazing person. Uh, and when we brought her on to the new to cab for UFOs, she basically just went, I am not trying to hear what you're saying. Because you are not changing my worldview, do you got it? Do you understand? So that's what you're up against in terms of uh, people, uh, even people who have a, a Bigfoot show like Brian, who we'll bring on, we'll bring him on, and we'll, you know, we'll ask him about his theories. He's a police officer by trade, retired police officer. Uh, and in the case of us, I I would argue that I don't think we're in an echo chamber actually. Um, There's so much discord in the in the the problem in the UFO community is that we can't agree on anything. We don't trust the same people. We trust people. If you are very, very fearful of this and what it might mean, then maybe you trust Mick West and he becomes your rabbi. If you're um, thinking, well, disclosures happened uh, we have legislation. It's been talked about in the Hill. Maybe Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon are your rabbis. So I, I don't necessarily think that, that we are in an echo chamber. I think it can seem that way because of your friend group, but it that's- wouldn't take you five minutes to get into a screaming match with somebody on UFO Twitter if you wanted to. So I, I don't think that's our problem. I think what our problem is, is that we can't coalesce around a set of evidence that is quite proven without question. There is no question that there would be no legislation on the Hill and talked about if we didn't have Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, um, Jim Semivan, and Tom DeLong and these, you know, and you can add, you know, you can add some outliers to that group as well that are maybe on the periphery of that central group. That is an idea that is, there is you cannot debate that it it's beyond debate, but people can't agree on that. They go up, lose a double agent. Meanwhile, we sat there, Nathan, myself and Deb and spoke with he and his wife on camera off air. And his wife told us about the moment when he came home and said, I'm quitting the Pentagon and my GS-15 salary and my GS-15 retirement package over UFOs, something that this kid would not do. Wow. That's sacrifice. That's skin in the game. Not, I tweeted about stuff for a year and a half. It's, mm. I put my money where my mouth was. That's mm. not debatable, but people will debate it and say, he's a government, uh, he's a uh, some sort of a uh, double agent. I don't know what, you know, the... so. So I don't think the problem is that we're an echo chamber. I think the problem is we can't even agree on basic premises.
3: Hmm. That point.
1: Who's next, Nathan?
3: <laughs> That's me. It's Deb, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of a big one um, that I've been pondering a lot lately. So from flying motorcycles, drones, AI... Computer interfaces used for telepathy and moving objects with our mind, um, space travel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Quantum computing—it's pretty clear that we're a very different species from the other creatures on this planet, and we seem to be following the path of the phenomenon. So, what are your thoughts on why that might be?
0: Oh, that's a good question I need to think on this one
2: yeah that's a that's a whole show and a half at least um, that's a, <laughs> I, I mean I think great. it's related to, I think it's related to consciousness I think that it um, you know I think that uh, as you know as we are beings that are able to uh, have a higher order consciousness than the other beings that are here um, we in a way uh, can tap into that that source of of information and knowledge in, in ways that that other beings can't quite do, um, and that opens up the possibility space dramatically between our capability and reality. Um, so, and that there's a lot to get into from there, which I don't want to. But I think that the connection is about our conscious development. And as that, as that conscious development progresses, uh, our, our capability, uh, what becomes possible, uh, just becomes broader and broader uh, over time. We can even use that as a, as a measure of change.
0: That is such a good question, Deb. So, you know, for, for me, you know, are we conduits of, of something else? What is it to be human? And your question is really given me itchy teeth and an itchy brain for sure and for me i think you know what what you've just touched on nathan whatever this extra something that we humans have in comparison to the animal kingdom is that extra something part of the bigger ecosystem of the universe in which consciousness is is a thread within that and I think that's what the separation is—that we we are of these bodies, but is our mind connected to the grand grander everything of the universe? Are we merely part of? Well, we are stardust. We're made up of everything that is out there, but is there an, an extra connection that pins us to that? So I'm just answering questions with questions at this point. <laughs>
1: We're paying, we're not paying you for that, Holly. If you want your check, I'm just kidding. So Deb, if you would, you gave some examples at the beginning, but if you could restate the central part of the question to make sure that I got it right.
3: Okay, so we're obviously very advanced at this point within the last 200 years, which makes us really different from the other animals on the planet. They're not trying to go into space. They're not making Mm -hmm. quantum computers. And a lot of this seems to very much parallel the technology we discuss with the non-human intelligence and UFOs. So why do you think that is?
1: Well, I, so I wrote down evolution and mimicking, uh, but I think on our uh, two broadcasts ago, when we spoke with Dave Smethurst and uh, the great Dan Warren, his uh, cousin in Tennessee, we discussed maybe we've actually lost something. That maybe they were the ancient Egyptians through the maybe, 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 maybe with the help of the phenomenon, were able to harness something that enabled them to leverage. Uh, I don't need, because I don't want to use the word technology. Let's say an ability to be able mm-hmm. to move uh, two and a half ton stones. Yep. <laughs> you know? uh, first, the 500 mile journey. From where they were, uh, the quarry was down to the site, and then apparently Dave sent uh, Dave sent me some today that said inside of those pyramids are stones that are more prone to transmit uh, electrical current Mm -hmm. than the outside. The the, that Mm the there's more crystal and more quartz and so forth uh, in part of those inner chamber stones. Uh, So, so I don't I don't know necessarily that we that we've evolved uh so much but in some ways we have from a technology standpoint and i think it's because uh you know obviously our brain uh has has enabled us to do that and you'll hear uh i think it was uh michael masters talk about when we begin to start to walk upright that the grain the brain is able to grow because it's not as confined by the the stature Uh, the leaned over bent over stature. Um, And also, you know, you know, Bigfoot has a little bit of that. It's largely upright, a little bit canted forward, but uh, generally doesn't stand quite, quite straight up. And if it does, the legs are still bent, but maybe that's why it's brain for the woods is so advanced that uh, that project X out in Oklahoma has been hunting them for a decade and have not brought one in. Um, So so I think that the answer to your question is, you know, this is just simple uh, technological evolution that's brought on by the expanding of the brain and figuring out, you know, once we conquered fire and all these things, oh my God, that that's incredible, you know, that, that, that uh, we're able to make fire and the wheel and all these sorts of things. And uh, it just mushroomed from there. And of course, we're inspired by uh, probably by what we've seen that these hieroglyphs and these paintings and these um, artistic drawings on cave walls said that we've seen these things and then somewhere you have a Copernicus and you have a Galileo and you have people that say you know maybe someday we're going to be able to do what they can do well we still can't but hey (laughs) we're as you said Deb we're pretty darn close you know we're pretty close so anyway uh that was (laughs) i hope i hope did did i answer the question did i absolutely
3: i think you know one thing i wanted to just throw out there is just another thought about it is like just you guys can just say yes or no on this do you think if we were to go forward a million years that the gorilla would be where we are
0: Hmm. wow
3: Wow,
1: this is a great question for Ems. Michael Masters and Jeff Meldrum, and you know.
2: <laughs> I think the 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 interesting question to add to that: Would they be where we are without our help?
0: Yes. Um,
2: would they wow. be where where we are without our help? That's right. Mm-hmm. And oh. I would answer that probably is no.
3: Yeah. And so That'd then, what does
2: that tell you about our ourselves? what does it tell you i personally think that we didn't arrive where we have arrived solely on good fortune and you know sort of rudimentary evolutionary mm-hmm. pressure um, yeah the little happy
0: i don't yeah. think we're a we're a happy accident at all i don't yeah. think i think there's an intelligent design behind us and i've i've always thought that I've always believed that there's more to our everything than there should be. And we don't know our powers. We don't know how powerful our connection to that is. Yet, I think by just starting to understand that we and our consciousness is connected to a much greater highway of information, we just don't have the abilities yet to fully grasp that i think the ancients did i think we lost it somewhere and i Mm -hmm. think it's slowly with some of the work that gary nolan does and people you know looking at that basil spice rack whatever it's called in your brain you know (laughs) yeah that's it it's in your spice rack (laughs) it's in your spice rack but you know there's we we can't be a happy accident we can't there's no way I don't buy it. I'm not buying that
1: Kool-Aid. So, how many thousands? It can anyone? How many thousands of years ago did Lou say? Was it thirty-five thousand years ago or 17,000? I, I said
2: 70,000 70, 70, 70, years, years ago. ago. Thank you.
1: So, so yeah, if I would have doubled thirty-five, it would have been there. Um. So, so seventy thousand years ago. That that's 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 really interesting, Nathan. And I I find that a very interesting hypothesis. And moreover, I guarantee you that Lou did obviously. And I'm sure if he were here right now, he'd tell you did not come up with that on his own, and he probably spoke to some very, very informed individuals about that. So,
3: there's um, a theory related to that time frame called the bottleneck theory, that humanity almost died out around that time. Okay, um,
0: as as tonight's Robert Hull, Thanks, Deb.
3: Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> and and we uh, so we got to get we got to get uh, Holly out of here soon. So I'll give you guys, my, Nathan, did you go yet? Cause I don't want to.
2: I'm good, man. It's been an awesome okay. conversation.
1: Okay. I'll give you mine real quick because this one is not going to be one that's going to take a whole lot of necessarily. It's not going to be as good as Deb's question. I'll tell you that. But, uh, so Nathan and I had a discussion the other day about how many groups and Nathan, I think you said speaking with XO that there's a pretty good theory about maybe, did you say seven
2: groups? I don't recall saying seven. seven. Oh, okay.
1: I can't remember what, maybe, maybe that, that was just in my, in my brain and, and had nothing to do with that. But I'm curious with the different groups that have different, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something really bad right now. I'm going to try to ascribe a human thought <laughs> to a hypothesis about the intelligence, which I personally have as a no-no. Because you can't ascribe human intent to something that's not human and certain probably not a more even a really, really more evolved uh, future, uh, future human. But so starting with you, Holly, um, do you think that among intelligences that seek to inhabit the planet and interact with us with an eventual goal, do you think there could be a bid for power? amongst those groups which is a very human thing right bid for power do you think that's something that that could or will happen or won't happen
0: i think i very much subscribe to the whole sort of zoo theory i think that we've been watched i think we're being tested monitored and examined I don't think that that there's going to be a big strife for power i've never felt that i felt that they're they're watching to see what we do and how we evolve and what that looks like um yeah that's how i feel right now on that question given what i know right now um again you know my views could change but It seems too human that there's going to be this galactic battle and dun 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 dun, around the earth. I just, you know, these these intelligences are advanced. I think has gone the let's let's cut each other's heads off and go to war. I I don't think they play like that. I think they operate differently. The different groups, depending on where or what they're from, and what they occupy and what their advancement is. But I, I, I don't. It just seems really reductive that an advanced civilization if that's what they are that are millions of years more advanced than us would we'll be like come on let, 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 let. I, I just don't i just it seems very primitive and i think we're, we're a very primitive species in relation to them so i think i maybe answered your question in true holly style
1: <laughs> it was good it was good and as far as being monitored you mean besides that ankle bracelet from the liverpool constabulary
0: all right sorry, sorry anyway we're
1: not talking about <laughs> that. nathan where there'll be world were, will there be a bid for power among these intelligences
2: I, I mean i tend to side with holly's perspective on this i think that um yeah that, I, it, it, it's not to say that there might be some attempt at uh you know an, an agenda you know like a certain agenda wanting to win the day basically but I don't know that it plays out in the way that uh, like a human conflict plays out. Um, you know, I think that um, well, I'd like to think is the better way to put it, I'd like to think that these other entities have a different perspective on conflict than we do that doesn't involve pointy objects or, you know, annihilation. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say no. Good one, man. I told you I was breaking a rule here, but <laughs> God,
3: Debs. Well, I think that Hollywood can talk to um, Ross Coulthard about the spheres tomorrow because the spheres are part of a theory that the entire planet's being protected by a guarding system. Um, by I think it's Patrick Jackson is the one who has this theory. Um, so he thinks that it's already happening, that one group set that up to protect us. Um, And I have to think about the wood carving. I think it was the 1500s, Nuremberg, where they saw a battle occurring in the sky and other accounts that people have described where something has um, occurred that looked like a battle in the sky. And so my answer is, I do think yes. And I think it's already happening.
1: Wow. I see. I didn't even know there was anything in this question. I just was throwing it out there to see if if uh, if there's anything to it. So. Uh, thank you for illuminating uh, through all your research, Debs. Uh, and now we got to go with Cabby Goodbyes. Do you want to start us off, Debs?
3: Well, thank you, Holly, for coming and talking to us today. I super appreciate your insight and your work and your, you know, your mission to get people to talk about this. Love it. And um, you're just amazing. And your cat ears. Love them. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. You and your cat ears are welcome back anytime. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to doing that soon. Uh, maybe another roundtable in the future, uh, a British invasion, I think, DJ, maybe in the future. Uh, yes, sir. We can get, get that going. Um, and just want to encourage you to continue to do the great work that you've already been doing. Uh, we you know, are supporting you from the sidelines and look forward to, to the things that will come from all of your efforts.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, Holly. And for if uh, w- when we do plan this roundtable, it would be great if you could uh, get us somebody from Ireland. We would really want to be get someone from Ireland to be part of this. Uh, we've already got Dan from Wales, so I guess he counts as Welsh. Uh, but but yeah, I would love to get somebody <laughs> from Ireland to to be part of it. That would be awesome. Um, I have
0: just the person as well. Just the person uh, who you will adore.
1: Awesome. That, that, that'd be great. So yeah, we got to start planning, got to come up with uh well, if we're going to have someone in Ireland, you know, you two has got to be one of them. <laughs> I think No, I think we did U two last time. So we got, to yeah. got to find uh, uh, some other groups, uh, maybe Van Morrison or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, Holly, yeah, it's been a pleasure being your friend and getting to communicate with you and just uh, feel your spirit. I know the community does and you really resonate with, so many people. Um, and, uh, I'm glad this is sort of long overdue. I'm glad that, uh, we finally got this, this done. And, uh, it's just an honor to be your friend and and to, uh, be able to collaborate with you. So thank you so much for coming and joining uh, cab today. We'll definitely see you again for sure. And obviously you'll be back for the holiday party again. So uh, on behalf of, uh, do you have anything? I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, I, I joined this community fairly recently and I've been um, welcomed with open arms, a couple of peculiar looks, um, but more so op- open arms. And I'm grateful that I get to share space. I'm grateful that I get to share soul i'm grateful that i get to learn i'm grateful that i get to be have my views challenged and my worldview um we can debate things openly and honestly and i think you guys are all doing phenomenal things and you know thanks for the love thanks for the support and um we've got a lot to come in the next couple of months um yeah i've got a few tricks up my sleeve yet so we shall see what the people.
3: Okay, one last time, one last time, we got to do it. I got to go,
0: It's fabulous. But thank you so much for having me. I feel I'm going to have to up the ante next time, so I might have like a deer next to me or something. That
1: would be nice. Yeah, bring a deer into the crib, man. It, you know, that was great. You know, we'll continue to bring conversations like this this ca- uh, cabbie community outreach holly do you want to uh talk about a show that you're your show real quick or are you on a show at the at the minute
0: um no this we, we are This things are changing very fluidly okay. around me but um we deb's mentioned it i am holding a space tomorrow with ross tomorrow. T- tomorrow um and yeah there's more to come on many many fronts so find me in Twitter, on the Twitter Spaces quite regularly now at that UAP girl got to put that in for the self promotion. Can I get but it? Yeah, Amen. Cool, get it. Boom boom. But thank I'm you guys, be- you, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you. It's, we're
1: we're honored as well. I, I will I will try to uh, get up in that space and and talk talk some trash with you and Ross koltat tomorrow. Uh, if you would give us uh, give Cab a like, give us a subscribe on uh, the youtube if you would and then give us a rating on whatever your favorite podcast app and the only reason we ask you that is just so that uh when prospective guests when we ask them to come on that they say yes because uh, we're not monetized in any way shape or form uh thank you jules for doing what you done did thank you for helping us out uh with uh, the bigfoot stuff as well this week and uh, on behalf of jules hollywood uh my homie deb And of course, Money Nathan, this is DJ saying peace, out, one love. We'll see you down the road. And as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend.